At Teak, we're passionate about creating on-brand marketing that directly and positively impacts your company's bottom line. In fact, our business is largely reliant on regularly communicating through our email lists. Too often, we hear from advisors that finally creating that weekly or monthly newsletter continues to get pushed to the bottom of their to-do list. So today, we are talking about why building your email list shouldn't be something that takes a backseat in your marketing plan, as well as some simple ways that you can start to create a list on your own. We are even bringing in the big guns because today we have our newest Teak team member, Katie Fisher, with us to talk all things email marketing. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. Let's dive right in. And Jen, I actually want to ask you what your initial marketing plan when you first launched Explorator was, because I think you, like most travel advisors, were not like, woo, I need this email list immediately and start it from the get-go. So kind of tell me about that. Yeah. So when you ask about strategy, I had none. So there was a very (laughs) simple approach. There was just ground zero. They say when you're at, when you start at the bottom, there's only one way to go. And so that is where we started. I created a list on MailChimp. And the issue with my first version of this, and actually like to this day, there's some limitations in Travel Joy. We would intake all of our inquiries through Travel Joy. And right now they don't have the capability of syncing with any newsletter system. So I had simply put at the bottom, like, do you want to subscribe to our newsletter? And people click yes or no, and it defaults to yes. So you have to get that initial sign off that someone wants to subscribe to your newsletter. So I will say that first and foremost, Robin, I think you and I at one point like blasted everyone in our, like, somebody was like, you can't do this. We're like, why? We found your email on a Facebook group. I'm embarrassed to say that, but I'm also not because it's kind of funny. But yeah, don't do that. Lots of unsubscribes from the people that never subscribed. I was like, I didn't realize so many people responded to email marketing. And then it was like, not positive. Yeah, that's illegal. So if you're listening to this, highly illegal to, to solicit business from people that have not consented to receive your email marketing. So when we shifted from fraudulent activity, (laughs) we decided to email the three people that authorized getting emails. Anyway, I, I was using MailChimp originally and they weren't aesthetically pleasing at all. They were incredibly off brand because... I didn't even know that I was supposed to have a font pack to begin with. So I wouldn't have even known how to upload that if they gave me the option. But as technology progressed, as we moved to more intuitive ways of doing business, I decided to transition to Flowdesk. And we're going to talk about the functionality of Flowdesk in a minute. That's the platform that we utilize for our services with Teak for newsletters But as soon as I transitioned to Flowdesk, one of the biggest attractive pieces of the system was that I knew that I could embed a code as a button or a banner or something on my website, and it would create a lead generation from that. So I'll take it back a second because Robin is, to me, like she is always thinking so strategically in marketing and I am like thinking post-marketing usually. So she brings such a unique approach to the table because she's like, okay, well, you have to get the people to sell to the people. And I'm just like already selling in my brain. So I'm putting the cart before the horse way too many times. And when we created Teak, one of the things that Robin did was she took an idea. I don't even know where you got it. 
but it was about creating these lead generators within your website where you don't give pricing or you don't give too many details away until someone says, get more information. They click that button and they put in their email. I was like, I was the emoji with the mind blowing. Like I've just been giving so much of my information away without capturing anything about my audience. And it was as simple as putting a how we work downloadable PDF on our website. And we got 50 email subscribers in like two weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been overanalyzing this and making it so much harder than it was. And then it just was growing exponentially because the more people that land on your page, they want to know how you work. Maybe they're not converting to clients right away, but they want to know how you work. And if it doesn't work for them, that's cool. They can unsubscribe later if they want to, but at least they're in your bucket and you can regularly communicate to them. And they say it takes like 10 touches to capture someone and convert them to actually a a consumer. So to me, I'm like, I can send you 10 emails. That's fine. Just hang out in the, hang out in that list. (laughs) So that's how it all started. And I'll be very honest that I also wasn't the most consistent in my newsletter. I had every intention of doing a monthly newsletter. And I am a statistic. And the fact that I would skip months and then like, oh, it's December. Here's the monthly newsletter that you haven't gotten for four months. Surprise. So the inconsistency wasn't fantastic, particularly during times of COVID. If you weren't communicating, people thought you went under. So that's something that I actually did really try and hold myself to once COVID was hitting, because I'm like, if we stop communicating, we stop seeing people come through the door. And now I think people are so overwhelmed by the options of working with Expedia or TripAdvisor or a travel advisor that to remain top of mind is imperative. But we're going to go deeper into all of that. But that's how I transitioned from like a coding heavy, ugly newsletter, no beef, MailChimp, I'm sorry, but you're just not intuitive and easy to use to a very sleek and easy to implement Flowdesk. And I have so many more things to say. Flowdesk is such a fascinating platform because I love like the story with the founders. But again, I digress. So yeah. Okay. So Jen started her email list via fraud. I helped it. Was, so I was definitely in, in cahoots, which is bad. But Katie, what is your newsletter, your email marketing story? Because I think email marketing is something you do incredibly well. I think honestly, your marketing, you do incredibly well. Katie, for anybody who doesn't know her story and how she came to us, she was a past client of ours. And me and Jen had always had this idea we're doing brands, we're doing websites, we're doing client experiences. So it's like, once you like find us and stuff, you're going to have a good experience. But I was like, how do people find them? We need this marketing piece. And then Katie was like, Hey, um, so I have this idea. I don't know if you're into it. And then sliding into our email turned into this like amazing partnership. So now Katie kind of owns our social services and marketing services. And she's a genius, all of that to toot her horn and go back to asking her, where you got started with email marketing as an advisor? Well, like Jen, I also started on MailChimp. Just complete disregard for fonts and colors and content in general. I started my business in August of 2018. And I know I was email marketing by that winter. But I was also just adding every single person's email to my subscriber list. I even I did a bridal show in January of 2019. And I collected all these emails and they gave me permission, like on paper, I had little forms that everyone filled out. And I went home and I happily added my 200 new subscribers to then send out my first email. (laughs) And immediately, multiple unsubscribes, people emailing me back saying, remove me from this list. I was like devastated. But yeah, I was like, ouch. But like, they had seen so many vendors at that bridal show. They didn't remember Katie Fisher in the corner. And so I was email marketing aggressively. I thought the more the merrier and this is how it's going to grow my client base. And then I actually started to get clients and got busy, kind of stopped email marketing for a little bit, gave up on MailChimp and found Flowdesk when it was in beta mode. And even to this day, five and a half years in, I don't have a huge email subscriber list because I believe in quality over quantity. I'm sure we'll touch on this later in the episode, but I regularly clean out 
my subscribers because I only want to be talking to the people who want to hear from me. So my email marketing strategy evolved to be once a month. For a while, I did do very short weekly emails, but I kept them brief. I called them fly and flop Fridays, just highlighting like really simple getaways because I wanted to fill in the gaps in between my FITs I was planning. Those were kind of a flop. (laughs) No pun intended. People open them and I would get people responding saying, this looks beautiful, but like, you know, they weren't booking or whatever. So I stopped doing those. But I think long story short, it's just a matter of like trying it. So many people get frozen and paralyzed in like, what should I send? Just send it out. You're going to make a fool of yourself at some point, like me sending like full length feature emails that would rival any local newspaper, like thinking I needed to fit all of my knowledge into one email. You just keep doing it. And eventually I found my stride. I sent it out once a month, kept it to three or four topics, one major topic, three little topics. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I want to see one of those original ones. Oh, I, it's so funny because I wanted to keep them for occasionally just checking myself, like bringing me back to my roots. But when I deleted my MailChimp account, I like had saved all those emails. And when I went to go open them, like I couldn't, it was like not a thing. Oh, because they're a web so, link. Yeah. And so sadly, those disappeared into the, the depths of the internet, which is probably for the best, but... I was so passionate. And at the time, I was primarily selling Hawaii and the South Pacific. I was so passionate about sharing my passion and my knowledge for that area of the world that I was like, everyone sit down. Today, we're learning a few Hawaiian words. And and we're going to learn about the geography of Bora Bora and what makes up the Motus. And I was just like, I wanted everyone to love it the way I did. But I'm a nerd. I finally shifted my newsletters to be more like, what would my audience want to read as opposed to what do I want to share? And those are two very different things. You took the approach of when someone goes on one of those cruises where they have like a sociologist on board and they give a session in between sailings, you're like, all right, everybody get in the boardroom and please direct your attention to the whiteboard. I'm going to talk about the terroir. Yeah, literally just, I want every, I want a hundred percent open rate and I want you all to understand the history of the Hawaiian Islands. That's like a quintessential pitfall though, for travel advisors is that we are so passionate about every proposal, everything we put out that like someone wanting to change a hotel is just a knife to our hearts. We're like, what do you mean? This was not perfect. I handpicked this because of how it psychologically matches to you. And I refuse to hear another side. (laughs) Uh, That's how I learned that you can be too passionate about something. Well, email marketing, it's like you really, and you touched on this a lot, like what I want to do and what I want to tell my followers and subscribers is different than what they actually want to hear. So it's like that pretty song and dance where it's like you're creating something you like to create or else you're just in a creative rut and you can't make words, you can't create the stuff you want to create. But also knowing like what's going to resonate with your people is just so important because you're serving them So it's like that middle ground and you can't find that middle ground unless you send out those email letters and like take a peek at the open rates. Don't just send it out and be like, ta-da, what happened? Go back, look at the analytics, like see what your open rates are. See if people actually clicked into links that you embedded inside the emails, because that's going to give you a good, okay, people really like this. Why? Was it the headline? Was it the copy? Was it, you know, the pretty imagery or what we covered? I think that's a really important point. I think that... It's it's so boring to think about doing, but you have to look at your analytics. You have to look at what they're clicking on, what subject lines are getting people's attention. And then also like thinking about it from your client's stand, like viewpoint, they just want to know how to work with me. They don't need to know how high Mauna Kea is. They don't need that. They just know that they want to go to Hawaii or they want to go to Mexico or they want to go to Europe and they just need to know how to work with you. So I think advisors, we have so much knowledge in our brain about the world and we want to share all of it at one time, but they just need to know how to get a hold of you. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So Give them a teaser, but leave the, leave the facts to the tour guide. <laughs> right. Exactly. Flex your expertise enough. Yeah. Play hard to get. What do dinner reservations, spa bookings, and sourcing one-off hotels outside your scope all have in common? You don't ever have to do them again. No, seriously. That's what Lucia is for. 
Lucia is a freelancer marketplace where you can outsource items on your to-do list on a task per task basis. All freelancers are sourced from within the travel industry. So if you're wondering, will they get it? They will. For a $57 discount on your annual membership, head on over to the show notes and join Lucia today. I have a question. Do either of you obsess over analytics like I do? Like it's like a serotonin hit for the first couple hours that a newsletter goes out. I keep refreshing the analytics and I'm like, unsubscribe. And I feel like I've been broken up with because that is what has happened in my mind. And it feels like good. Get off my list. (laughs) You were going to buy from us anyways. I'm like thrilled when we get unsubscribes because I'm like, perfect. You just narrowed my field and now I'm going in for the kill. I don't know. Jen, you are crazy about analytics. You do refresh things every 24, like literally within 20 minutes of sending email list. She's like, whoa, (laughs) people have opened it. And I'm like, who cares? Like, open it in a week. But I care. I get really excited. The first of the month I sit down, I analyze our website data. I analyze all of our email data, our revenue, all these things. That's what gets me pumped. But it's like from the month past. Jen is like real time. She's like refreshing, refreshing. (laughs) I did that yesterday after I posted the newsletter sign up link on the Teak stories. Then I went into active campaign and I refreshed. And then I'd come back 20 minutes later. I'm like, why aren't they subscribing? Like (laughs) the personal attack. Yeah, I was like, it was a great graphic and a good link. I don't know what's happening. Like, I went back and feel like I'm doing um, everything right. I I do take it very personally, and I feel the same way when I send out my personal newsletters. Like, 150 people open it, one person unsubscribes, and my day is ruined. I just take it so personally. I'm I'm working on it though. I feel this in my soul. Cool. Well, we touched on it a little bit, Jen. Tell us more about Floatesque. You seem pretty passionate about it. And I know, again, we started with MailChimp, which was super clunky. I'm positive that they're in a different space than they were when we launched in like, what, 2016? They're probably evolved. So if anyone's on MailChimp, no hate. But we're a big Floatesque people here. Katie uses it. John uses it. That's the service we provide for our clients now. Yeah. So I will be the first to admit that that I'm going to talk about this piece because I do not have the strategic knowledge that both Robin and Katie have. I am the perfect client for a Flowdesk service because I don't know what I don't know. And I'm not afraid to admit that. And it's not something that right now or back then even was really worth my time in getting to know because I wanted to do a very simple task, which was communicate to my audience regularly. And I'm just putting graphics in there sending it out and looking at the analytics. And for the majority of people, like that is actually perfectly fine. There's so much more strategy that we're going to discuss that's that's an option. And it's why I wanted Flowdesk was to embed that how we work guide. So there was a little bit more strategy behind it. But I ultimately chose Flowdesk because it was beautiful. And we're in the world of travel. And like Katie was saying, they don't want to know how high Mauna Kea is, but they do probably want to see the picture of someone looking at the sunrise at Mauna Kea and just having this family moment or this romantic situation, whatever it may be, you're painting the picture in the newsletter. And so the graphics were more important to me than the information of the delivery of information. What I love about Flowdesk is I can create header graphics in Canva, just like I was doing for my email workflow. And it created brand consistency. It wasn't challenging because I didn't have to learn another thing in Canva or another thing in Flowdesk. I could actually just duplicate the same size, cut it, drop it there. And it's very drag and drop. I'm not a tech person. I've mentioned this before. I'm doing my best. It's a 2023 resolution to be more embracing of technology. But there are times when you're so busy in your business that you just don't have the brain space to learn something else. And sometimes we need to give ourselves grace on that and just work with what we have. And that's where Flowdesk came into play for me. Also, it's a woman-owned business and I just like love that. It's two women and they started the business to create a seamless solution for other entrepreneurs in a beautiful way. It was to simplify the newsletter process and to also not have this massive bottom line cost. There are so many other platforms like the more subscribers you get, 
the more expensive it gets and it just keeps on getting higher, higher, higher. And Flowdesk, I think, has remained very economical. So that's something to me that was really important. Obviously, as a small business, I wanted to keep the overhead as low as possible. That was a really important component. Another thing, though, and this is where as you get into different pages of your website or different platforms that you're advertising on, you can actually segment out your audience. So I could have had a downloadable destination wedding guide that would have put everyone that downloaded that into a destination wedding bucket. And then when I'm marketing my destination weddings or my honeymoons, I could actually in a very targeted way, reach out to them and speak their language instead of just blasting everyone in my email list with general information. So being able to segment was massive to me because then I know exactly what those people in that segment want to hear. And once you know what people want to hear, the ball's in your court. I mean, you're winning because it's now a game of, it's a mind game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's psychology and you can really apply marketing techniques to it. So if I would say anything to my past self, it would be really to leverage those segments and take a more strategic approach to find out more information on destination weddings or honeymoons or multi-gen, just whatever it may be. And it could, it could even be like gastronomy. It doesn't even have to be, you know, a destination, but it could also be destination specific. There are a million ways to slice and dice it and it's literally never ending, but The one thing to piggyback off of for that is that you can also create these nurture and welcome sequences in Flowdesk. So if someone subscribes to the destination wedding, they can automatically get this welcome email that's like, congratulations on your pending nuptials, obviously. Make it cooler than that, a little quippier. I mean, again, the ball's in your court. Now you're speaking their language and you've got this level of personalization through an automated process. And that's everything you want to do in marketing. You want to create a personal connection with as little legwork on your end as possible because you've got other clients to serve. You've got things to do, suppliers to meet with, fams to go on. You don't need to be seeing and tracking every person that comes into your newsletter list and be like, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. But imagine if you went to a party and no one greeted you. You are joining someone's network that deserves a response and you are excited they're there. So show them the appreciation that deserves. So that's my soapbox for that. But there there are so many things in Flowdesk without it getting into a really complicated system. I'll be transparent that with Teak, we've taken it to a very different level with more legs and it looks like an org chart and a spider and all the things with all of the triggers. But for 99.9% of people, Flowdesk is going to hit on everything you could possibly need. For Teak, we use Active Campaign and it is bananas. I love it so much because you can do so much with it. But in terms of just general showing up, which is what I feel like the most amount of people struggle with, is just genuinely creating a consistent email marketing plan and getting in front of clients. Flowdesk makes it incredibly easy. Active Campaign is just like its own little animal. But just for full transparency, we don't use Flowdesk for our email marketing with Teak. We do use Active Campaign, but for our service, we we work out of Flowdesk because we know that that's what's going to be best for the majority of advisors. Of course, there's other things like MailChimp, as we've noted, constant contact. There's a million. So bottom line is email marketing is super important. We started in Flowdesk though with Teak. It's just that our our marketing strategy kind of outgrew that, but for a long time, it was everything we needed. It was. And it was, it was perfect. It got us started. And yeah, I think we transitioned like one or two years ago to active campaign and it's, it's been good. I've really, I really like it, but again, I'm kind of nerdy. So all of that to say email marketing is so important. And the reason why, and Jen mentioned this, I like really do geek out on like marketing and like psychology of marketing. I find it fascinating. It's always been something I've been interested in, but email marketing in particular is something where people are like, do I need an email list? I don't, I'm on social media, so I don't really feel like I need an email list. Like I'm in front of my ideal clients. And to that, I say, you do need an email list because email marketing is actually the only marketing platform that you own. You don't own any form of social media. Those followers are not anything you can technically own. It's like in Instagram. I don't know if anyone remembers that day. What was that? Two or one or two years ago where Instagram was like down and everyone was like, what? It was October 4th, 2021. The day I launched my new brand. I will be touching on that later on in this podcast. (laughs) The day that lives in infamy, apparently. (laughs) 
Oh, I, well, it I was, was so truly chaotic. I truly don't think I understood. Because everyone always said, what would you do if social media went away? And I'm like, social media is not going away. We live in the 21st century. Well, it did go away for a period of time. And so if that was you and Instagram crashed and Facebook's gone and LinkedIn's kaput, how would you actually market to your ideal audience? All of that to say in like big, bold letters, you cannot build a business on a platform that you cannot control and you do not control because you don't control the Instagram algorithm at all. It's changing. It's ever changing. We now have reels that we have to do and videos and there's songs to add and there's trending audio and like cannot keep up. And honestly, I don't want to keep up. The algorithm is a rat race that I do not feel comfortable running 24 seven because I have other parts of the business to manage. So email marketing ensures that you are serving the right messages to the right audience at the right time. So back to that segmentation thing, I'm going to go into nurture sequence and all of that fun stuff later on in this episode. But showing up for people who are opting in to say like, yes, I want to hear from them. It's because they're giving you your email. When you hit follow and stuff, yeah, that's fine. But like, I'm not really giving you my attention because how often am I seeing your posts? But when I'm saying like, yes, I want to receive origin travels, how we work guide, because I'm interested in what KD services are. That is to me as a business owner, oh my gosh, you're primed, you're ready. I want to sink my teeth into you and give you all the information you want because then I can build that know, like, and trust factor and ultimately make them more likely to buy my services because they're showing up. There's something about me, whether it was a social media post, because maybe social media is a way to force people to your Instagram, but you got to get, you got to get people on the email list. Let's throw some facts to bring this point home. Cause if you can't tell my heart rate is pounding because I'm just so excited about this, but repeat customers on average spend 67% more than new customers. And then new customers, like Jen mentioned earlier, take an average of 10 touches, but your existing clients already know your quality. So it's like you're spinning your wheels. You're trying to get all these new leads. What if you just nurtured the leads you had? What if you just showed up to the email list for the people? Maybe there are only 12 who are like, yeah, I love that. Like, (laughs) tell me more. It's going to cost you less in the long term. So retention of previous clients and then repeat business it's one of the most successful ways to build a business, right? Like we all, I feel like every single advisor we talk to, their end goal is repeat business or a referral-based travel business. So you cannot say that your goal is repeat or referral-based business unless you have a marketing strategy in place that will allow your business to remain top of mind with people. Kind of touching, like wrapping back into what you said about not relying on social media. On top of the fact that social media can go out at any time, because I mean, it happened to me. I like teased my rebrand for weeks and I put up a post like coming soon, October 4th. And then the day I was launching my new website and my new brand, it wasn't working. It wasn't working at all. But also not only because there might be an outage, but I know in the morning I sit and I drink my tea and I scroll through TikTok for 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, I can see a thousand TikToks and you're not going to stand out um, amongst all that noise and competition. But when you show up in people's inbox, even if their inbox is crazy, I feel like it's way more personable anyway. And you're, I feel like you're almost able to show up more authentically in email marketing because you're not, tra- there's no really, I mean, there are trends in email marketing, but not like there are on social media. You're not trying to find an audio to go with your email. But also kind of touching back on all the TikToks I watch in the morning. It's it's my it's my bad habit. I'm working on breaking. There is, I'm like an avid gardener because I'm 78 years old. And I follow this woman on TikTok who has the best gardening content for my zone, zone 6B. And I love her stuff so much that I signed up for her newsletter. And even though I might not see her in my 30 minute morning scrolling, she shows up consistently in my inbox. And I have already purchased her garden planning download sheets because there she is amongst my DTE bill and my Verizon bill. There's my garden lady. So it's just like staying top of mind and not having to like constantly follow the trends on social media because I would argue that social media is far more exhausting than email marketing. 
I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of people listening to this are probably going to be like, I literally delete everything in my email. I read nothing. I don't even open anything. So this really doesn't apply to me. Wrong. You're bored by the things that are in your inbox because when you get that gardening lady or you find that gardening lady and you subscribe and you like the content, you can't wait. There are people who I have saved as contacts so I don't miss anything. They get an automatic star when they show up in my inbox because I'm like, their content is so good and it's stuff I actually care about. This is one example of how powerful email marketing is. But my dad, he's he's retired. He's like 68, lives in Jacksonville. Me and my sister are out of the house, obviously, married, own lives, jobs, whatever. So he it's just him and his dog. And he loves his dog so much. So he found on Facebook through an ad this like super expensive dog food. It's shamefully expensive, but it's really good dog food. It's really, really good quality. So he buys the dog food for the first time to try it. My dad's dog is super picky. He got this email marketing funnel served to him afterwards. And he he called me and he's like, Robin, I've, I've never seen marketing like this in my life. This is amazing. And he sent me all the things. And this woman was so good. She shows up. Her food is expensive. So it's $60 every two weeks for him to buy food for my dog, which like, I, we don't do that for our bulldogs, but my dad is a retired engineer. So here's where we're at, but she's showing up and she's like, Hey Wes, like it's clear that you love your dog. So she's going into all these, your food's on the way. I really hope your dog loves it. Please, you know, reply to this email, send me a picture of your dog. I want to know his name. So she's like inviting you to like email her back. Is she going to answer? We don't know. Ideally this woman's on a funnel. Maybe she does answer, but I doubt it. And then she's sending him all these tips about getting your dog acclimated to the new food and like how sometimes new food upsets its stomach. So here's some things to try, like mixing it in with their current food until you wean it off completely. And like her email nurture sequence, I I mean, I want to call her and be like, can I sit down and talk to you for five minutes? Because I'm like, I've never been so excited about dog food. So I actually subscribed to her email list because like, that's how powerful her messaging was. And it comes to my teak email and I, I put it in my marketing folder because I go back and I read it because I'm like, this woman knows exactly who is getting this email. And the fact that this person is willing to pay a premium price for their dog is telling you something about them. And I'm going to feed into that. I know that this man or woman or whoever cares about their dog so much. So I'm going to give them more tips. I'm going to give them, you know, my backstory with my dog because her dog, I think, had some sort of like disease at one point. And so she took it off all of the store brand food because it wasn't, it was getting worse. And she just felt like the dog wasn't getting real food. And when she transitioned it to real food, he got so much better and his coat was shiny and you start, and I know all of this about a woman who I didn't even buy her product, but like, I fell in love with her story. And just like, like Katie said, like she probably would love to sit down and school me on all things dog, but she does it in a way where it's like bite-sized enough for me as a dog owner who cares about my dog. I don't cook for my dog, but I care enough to want to buy them premium food where I like latched on and was like, Whoa, like you're getting me. And now Granted, Hunter was like, no, Robin, we're not spending that on the animals right now. But I was tempted to start buying her food because it was like, at first I was just curious. And then the more I'm talking about all this stuff with her and the more she's sending me, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like I should try this. So it, it was like the most amazing marketing case study. I would have never thought I cared to actually read the emails coming through about dog food. But I do because it's speaking to me as somebody who loves my dog. Like that mar- that gardening lady is speaking to you about someone who loves her plants. You just have to know what people like and really put yourself in their shoes to be like, okay, what would I want to hear right now? And that goes back to client experience too. We talk about it all the time. Like two weeks to your trip, do you want to hear from me? What do you want to hear? Is it short? Is it sweet? Is it long-winded? Too much information, not enough information. Like you have to sit down and analyze, but like take your I'm a business owner cap off and put on your like ideal client's thoughts and like get into their brains a little bit because when that happens, that's when you get the magic of email marketing. That's when you get raving fans who are sending your dog food email to their daughters because they're just so impressed. So that was my yeah. story that I didn't think I needed to share in this. It don't, who would have thought that like emails about dog food and gardening, but that just goes to show that like, there's that quote, 
when you try to speak to everyone, you speak to nobody or no one or something like that. That's what I was doing wrong in my early days of email marketing. I was like, all 12 of us are going to know everything about every South Pacific Island. Here we go. Instead of just like talking to my ideal client about how those places would make them feel instead of facts. And then that kind of ties into we have our Teak custom newsletters that we do. And we beta tested it for six months where we were writing one standard set of copy for all these different advisors. And they liked it, but it wasn't working because those advisors need to speak to their audience. And so instead of like throwing it at the wall and trying to figure out what works, just talk about what you know and what you love, because technically your ideal client probably also knows and loves the things that you know and love or they want to. Like I love gardening. So yes, like when I told my husband, I bought a $17 Google sheet today. He was like, why? And I'm like, because this woman showed up she knew what she was talking about. She was passionate about it. And I was like, I want I want what she's selling. So I think that's super important that people get paralyzed with email marketing because they're like, okay, I want to talk about Europe today. They like try to talk about something they don't know about very well. And I think that comes through that because then you're wasting a ton of time researching something you don't know. And then you can't stick to it consistently because you don't love it. And it just makes you appear, whether consciously or subconsciously to your audience, flaky and unsure of yourself. And well, yeah, so you break it down. Like if you want to talk yeah. about Europe, but like your clients aren't ready to go to Europe because school just started and like spring break is coming up around the corner or, you know, it's January. So the only thing I can think about is whatever. It's just, you have to take a step back and be like, instead of forcing something down their throat, like twist it. I forget where I saw this, but it was like, instead of selling Europe, they talked about like how to budget for a big trip as a family of four. The most amazing thing you could ever do as a travel advisor, because what do we want people to do? Invest in quality trips. Don't cut corners. Don't, don't try to do the, don't do the like cheapest rail from Como to Amalfi and think you're going to have a good trip. Don't do it. But let's talk about like ways that you, how far out you should plan and like an estimated money to save or something like that. Cause that's something I would read. That's what I want to know. I don't necessarily care about the best gelato because again, it's not in my mind. I want to get there, but like, that's not top of mind for me when I'm in the planning phases. What's top of mind for me is how am I going to afford this? When should I call, like start reaching out and start planning? What's that process look like when I'm ready to reach out and start planning? And how are you the best person to tell me where to go in Italy? Like, what do you know? So it's almost, you got to retroactively step back and be like, what do they need to know now? And what's going to get them to actually move the needle? And that you have to get out of the travel advisor space. Yes, you want to make money. Yes, you want to convert, but also... I need to educate them a little bit because that education piece is going to endow them to you. Like they now are like kind of ingrained in like what you're saying. They trust you as an expert. They trust you as an authority figure that makes them more likely to actually like reach out for their trip when it comes around and they're ready. One of my most successful email marketing campaigns were the ones where I didn't overthink it. It was simple. It was like something I thought of off the cuff and I put it together, sent it out. And it's the same thing on social media. Sometimes the posts you spend the least amount of time on are the ones that go viral or do really well. So I think people unnecessarily overcomplicate it. When your audience, they're busy, they want something bite-sized, they want something short and sweet, tell them what they need to know and get out. Because if you're sending emails like what I sent when I first started (laughs) and you're wondering why they're not converting, it's because they're too long, they're too complex. Like people don't have time for that. Bring it down. I think it's like, in summary, like educate, but inspire, because the inspiration piece is like where the feel comes in, but educating builds credibility. So you want the result of the education. You don't want to overcomplicate it, like you said, and overeducate to the point of bore, but you do want to inspire through that education. So you have to tap into like meeting people where they're at, like Robin said, like To me, I think one of the most impactful sections you can do on a newsletter is travel trends because people want to do what other people are saying is the cool thing right now. That's why influencing works. That's why it's a job. I think a really cool thing, I'm sitting here and I'm like, travel trends, but like 
make it unique, like right underneath it, like a spin on the trends. Like, so if you, if you love Amalfi, but you want to avoid the crowds, consider Malta, like making these things, like making people think a little bit different, piquing their curiosity, inspiring them, allowing people to feel like they're part of something is where the buy-in comes from. And travel trends makes people feel like they're part of something. Just a thought. Again, connections, White Lotus, Sicily, everyone's thinking about that part of Italy, a newsletter about that. Like you've traveled there. If you know that area, if you sell that area, there's no better time to talk about Sicily than bringing it back to White Lotus. Make your White Lotus dreams come true and just blast some, put in some funny memes, add some pretty pictures. Be creative. Think outside the box. It's such a great place to show that personality, to build that trust, to be a real human. Yeah. Being human. Yes. People forget, they, they send emails as a business. Send it as a human and wrap your information into your feelings. Instead of me being like, everyone, we're going to learn about Mauna Kea. Talk about how it feels to stand on Mauna Kea and watch and like do a stargazing tour. No one cares what the altitude is. Knock it off. Talk about how it makes you feel. And that's what makes people go, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. So case studies, like those really awesome trips you planned. I planned this amazing Patagonia honeymoon, never talked about it. It would have been the best email case study ever because she was like singing my praises high and wide. And I'm like, if I could have had her come in, talk about her trip and then me kind of digest what we did and where they went. Beautiful. Not hard to put together. I planned the whole trip. I know exactly what to include and what, what happens and where they went. But like get a testimonial from that client talking about how much time it saved them, how they would have never been able or confident enough to plan this Patagonia trip without an advisor or something and tie it back in. Because I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to tell them too much because then they won't book with me. They'll just book direct. And it's like, no, they will book with you because your personality, because the expertise, because all the time you're saving them, like you can't just give free value. Yes. Get them knowing that you're an authority in this space, but bring it back to like all of the things that you do for your travelers. Cause I think that's where the money, the money lies. Well, you can also sprinkle in like I surprise them with, and it's like, Oh, okay. There is value add. So you're, you're boasting about how you still change their trip for the positive. But I had just had a thought I was like, and that would have been a perfect newsletter to have yet another interested in hearing more about Patagonia, click here, and then they get into another segment. And then you know how to target them when it's time to, you know, plan your Patagonia trip. This is the time of year to go. And you've got this other segment that you're very much like targeting consistently because you know, their bucket list trip is Patagonia. Cool. Now, you know, something that a general list didn't, that would make it a little more complex. But if you have a VA that has a marketing mind, we're just throwing nuggets out there to jot down if you're not driving. All right. I do want to mention this. When I sold Explorator last August, one of the things that I presented in the sale presentation, a little bit of redundance there, but one of the things that I wanted to highlight when I was presenting to the new owners was how many subscribers they actually have at their disposal when they get the marketing list. So if they purchase the company, they have this many people. Social media, like Robin said, social media is one thing and they're getting the followers when they get the accounts. However, your marketing lists are people that are actively prescribing to what you're serving up. And so to me, there's a lot more pull in saying, here's my client list and here's my newsletter list than saying, here's a social media account that had some pretty pictures and people liked them. So they follow us now. That's not converting. People aren't, they're not just following accounts and actually buying from them always. I mean, I will say there are obviously some people that are exceptional at converting. We weren't one of those. I I mean, travel in general is a little bit hard because unless you're requiring a lot of engagement on your stories and constantly adding polls and links for people to reach out to you. If you're super intentional about how people can find you and how to utilize that platform to convert to a sale, then yes, 100% you're nailing it. I'm proud of you and we're jacked on your social strategy, but your subscribers are people that have chosen intentionally to get something from you 
on a monthly, weekly, whatever you decide basis. And they can opt out at any time if it's not something they want to consume. So I don't want to belabor that point, but it's just something if you are ever thinking of putting a value on your company, know that these numbers are going to be looked at. They would be important to someone that wants to go in as a partner to you or someone that wants to join your organization as a new advisor and they want to know your reach and the potential leads that they may be able to get through marketing, or they want to know that they don't need to create a newsletter list on their own because they can add their subscribers to the master list for the company. These are all tactics that I think add to the value of you either as an employer as well as an agency owner if you were to ever want to put a number on that agency. I've seen so many business accounts lately have to start from square one on Instagram too because their their Instagram got hacked or you know somebody marked it as fraud or something. So Instagram deleted it and stuff. And I just... the heart That caused you heart palpitations to hear that and think about that being your business that is your sign to start a freaking email list like now. That happened. The week that we transitioned from Explorator, they got locked out of Instagram and it had gotten hacked. And so it took days to get it back. And she was like, I don't think we're going to get it back. And I'm like, that's 7K people just out the window that you're going to have to start from scratch. And I had hired someone, Robin knows this, I had hired someone for a pretty penny when Explorator first began to get to the point of 3,000. And once you have 3,000, people are like, oh, this might be worth following. And they start following because it's a psychology thing. They're like, it's like when you see someone with 150K followers, you're like, why am I not following them? Even though they may have nothing in common with you. It is something that can disappear on a moment's notice without warning and really easily, scarily easily. All right. So Katie, let's talk about I know we already mentioned a few ways that you can start to build your list, but if someone's listening to this and they are starting from day one and they just want some simple tactics to start an email list, where would you begin? A freebie or an opt-in or something like that is one of the easier ways, but I there's an asterisk with that. So I actually, when I was starting to take my business seriously instead of treating it like a hobby, started hunting around other advisors' websites, seeing how they were collecting information. And actually, I stumbled onto Explorator's website and saw that you had the, if you want our pricing guide. And I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Because up until that point, I was doing freebies along the line, because I primarily did honeymoon. So I was doing freebies along the lines of honeymoon packing lists and how to plan your honeymoon guides and would put them up on Pinterest and I would get a couple of clicks here and there and new subscribers. But then I realized they were downloading that guide and then unsubscribing. So they were coming for what they came for and then getting out. So I would be wary of those. I don't think that they're necessarily useless, but I mean, you're just any Joe Schmo on the internet with something they want. So I would rather have an opt-in or a freebie where like they are going after it because they want to know more about me and my business and what I do and how I can serve them. So a pricing guide, a how we work guide. I would even say maybe a sample itinerary. You know, again, someone might come in, take it, go book it themselves. Fine, have at it. But they're likely coming in because they're curious how you can help them with that itinerary. So opt-ins. I feel like opt-ins are sorely underutilized in the travel advisor community. And I think a lot of that is because people, one, they don't want to make one or two, they don't know how to like get it set up. Like, what do I do with it once I have it? And that is a big part of what our Flowdesk service helps with as well, like because there is some tech involved. So I think it's just a matter of getting over that fear of technology, getting it set up and then just letting it do its thing and making it as evergreen as possible too. You don't want to make something so hyper-specific that every month you have to go in and update it. So like on my website, I have my How I Work document, but it lives in Canva. So I can just go in and update it occasionally if needed. And then it just pulls directly from the Canva. Um, You know, you can set it up to be presentation mode or whatever, because I was having to like re-download the PDF and go in and update it and all that. So trying to make it simple and give your audience something that they want, but that they they can't just come in and, and leave. Because who's really going to sign up for your pricing guide? Be like, sweet, and then they leave. Like, they're not. They're, they want to know what your pricing guide is because they're curious about you. 
And then adding clients with permission, not fraudulent, as we've probably all done, and incorporating that into your workflow. So on my inquiry form, it says, would you like to be added to our email list? It is defaulted to yes. Some people choose no. My feelings get hurt, but that's okay. Capturing their permission and adding them, that's part of my workflow. Once they've deposited on their booking, and I know we're going to move forward, I add them to my Flowdesk subscriber list. But then also incorporating your subscribe link into your workflow in other areas. So in my welcome home email, maybe when they first started working with me, they were like, no, thanks. I don't want to be on your newsletter list. But by the time they've gone through my process and they've traveled and they had a great time, when I welcome them home and ask for their feedback, I also say, I'd love to stay in touch. Please subscribe here. Some people do, some people don't, and that's okay. But it just gives them another opportunity. Third point is promoting it on social media. So not just passively throwing a link in your link tree or in your bio, but like wrapping it into your content. So yesterday on our Teak social media, I hopped on to talk about our new Facebook Lives that we're going to be doing on Wednesday. And then I threw up a, you know, don't don't miss out on all the other stuff we have going on. You put a link in the stories occasionally, or you put up a post and Give a sneak preview of the newsletter you're working on. Make people interested enough to sign up. Uh, I think a lot of people think newsletters and social media are separate, and they are not. They're very much intertwined. Those are the three areas where I would say are the easiest to integrate your subscriber link. And promoting on social media is not something we did too often. As of this recording this episode, Katie actually like took over Instagram, like social media. It was always something I was like, I will not let you go. And then I wasn't touching it. I wasn't doing it. And she's like, we got to be doing this. And I was like, you're right, do it. So she's like taking over social media now, which my brain is just this free bird again. So I can like really dive into like all this strategy on the other marketing side. I really love to something we're doing now is we have our monthly newsletter and it, you know, it's kind of like what's coming up this month, all these things. It's what we've always put out into the world and it's great. And then Katie is also doing like a weekly teak newsletter with like at the beginning of the week teak to do list. So it's like three things to do working on your business, not just in your business. So it's like little CEO tasks. And I'm like, that's beautiful. And if somebody doesn't want us to show up every single week, great. Hang out on the monthly You'll get great content there, but it's just like this added, our niche members get like an, in case you missed it, email at the end of each week. And those don't take long. Katie, how long do those take you to tee up realistically? Like 15 minutes. I just recycle. I duplicate the past one, swap out the copy. Don't constantly be creating from scratch too. I think work smarter, not harder is my entire life motto. It's been so good. I'm really excited to see how people love and like gravitate towards the Teak to do email because I just think it's the best idea ever. Yeah. And I also touching on that, I would really urge advisors, don't worry about the number of subscribers you have. Focus on the quality of the content. You have to make sure you're looking at your analytics, you know, your open rates and engagement. And then like, I used to think if I sent out a newsletter and then didn't make a sale the next day, I was failing. But like, it takes so long of you like showing up consistently with good content to like make a sale. But it's it may not always come from your subscribers either. I have had people who are subscribed for years, they have never booked a trip with me, but they've sent me a ton of referrals because they're like, Oh, your newsletter about Maui the other day reminded me my friend wants to go there for her honeymoon. She's going to be submitting an inquiry. Again, it kind of circles back to don't think of it as a sales tactic, even though it is just, it's a way to connect with your audience, you know, and it's not going to happen overnight. Not at all. And then also, you have to maintain your email list too. So I think people get so caught up in, I need to grow my email list and I need to get subscribers, but you have to also like go in and give it some attention. So I put a reminder in my calendar once a month and I do a Flowdesk maintenance hour. It takes me an hour. I go through and Flowdesk, I really love Flowdesk for a million reasons, but you can sort your subscribers. You can filter them by who hasn't opened something in the last 30 days, 60 days, three months, six months, whatever. And then you can also go into each subscriber and look at their stats. If someone's barely opening my emails, I'm just going to get rid of them because they're probably not that engaged. And it drags your open rates down and it messes up your analytics because really your analytics, you want to be looking at who you're talking to. 
So I think that is a good thing to get into. I know we all have a lot on our calendars, but it's a very simple CEO day task to do. And then the last point when it comes to like your email list and nurturing it, reinitiating your list. If you've just ghosted your list for a while, which is the case with a lot of our Flowdesk clients, a lot of them will just jump right back into email marketing with like, no, they're just like, I'm back. Hi, we're just jumping right in. And then they're, they're upset. And this actually happened to one of our Flowdesk clients. She has a pretty big email list and she hadn't sent anything out in a long, a long time. And she sent out the first newsletter that we drafted for her and just immediately just unsubscribes dozens of them. And she's like, what did I do? And I was like, you barged in. You didn't like not politely. You just welcomed yourself in. So I think reinitiating your list and just sending like a soft, hey, remember me? I disappeared for a while and here's what's coming up. That's it. A picture of you. So they're like, who are you? You, A headshot, your signature, and then a week later you can resume. But I, I feel like email marketing, because it is more personal, no one notices if you disappear from social media for 30 days. But like if you start bombarding someone's inbox after not being there for a while, to me, it feels rude. Yeah, it may not be something that people are still interested in. If it's been a year plus, they might have subscribed when they were planning their honeymoon. And now it's what if you were I mean, there are plenty of people that their niche is as narrow as honeymoons only or romance travel. What if that person's in a completely different stage of life now and they're multi-gen and or they're looking for big bucket list and you were sun and sand? So without re-engaging and like reintroducing and say like, just in case you forgot, I can offer these things, you would be reintroducing what you can offer to people. And maybe it does, maybe your business has evolved with them because I, I can say for a fact that I was not selling the same thing at 35 that I was selling at 30. And definitely my audience had transitioned with me too. So I think that's kind of case in point. You're not the same person you were two years ago. So by not reintroducing yourself or reinvigorating that connection, you could really turn some people off. So I like that. So we've talked a lot about welcome sequences and nurture sequences, but I want to kind of give you like a little behind the scenes, like what are they? What actually is this? So a nurture sequence, it's sometimes called like a email funnel. They have a bunch of different words, names for it, but it's the process of converting traffic with like a lead magnet or a freebie and then using automation inside of that email marketing platform to deliver a series of emails afterward. Typically it starts when somebody opts in for your how we work guide. They'll sign up, you'll send them an email, maybe it redirects directly to the how we work, but then you follow up with an email and you link that how we work guide in there and you're like introducing yourself. And then over time, you continue to follow up with like related content. So typically it's between, you know, anywhere from three to five. I know that some people do nurture sequences for a year, which is like a little insane. But why do you need a nurture sequence? So basically 50% of your leads are not yet ready to buy when they opt into your email list. They are just looking for information. So like it's just getting your toes wet. Very rarely will you see somebody who's like instant buy because a nurture sequence is exactly what it sounds. You're nurturing them. You're giving them information about you, about your business, about your services, so that when they are at the point where they're ready to book that trip, you're top of mind. So how could this look for you? Again, let's say that your opt-in is a how we work guide. So once they open that email, we're going to wait a couple of days and then send them a follow-up slash like welcome email that gives a little bit of a background on your story, how you got into travel. And then I always like to give them again, a couple days. Sometimes it's two days. Sometimes they wait five days. I just feel it out. Next, I always like to give them more good content because we want to nurture them. So instead of being like, here's your freebie, here's who I am book a trip. I think that's too much for me personally. Like as a buyer, I don't like that. That feels aggressive. So next, what I like to do as best practice is share maybe like a couple helpful links, or this is a really great email opportunity where you could send them something where it's like, Hey, now that you're on your email list, I really only want to give you the content that you care about. Click here to get information on Caribbean destinations. I'm mostly interested in Europe and spread out like your specialties. If you book like a wide array of destinations, give them 
the places that they're interested in. So it's like, yes, I'll keep sending you information on this. So in my mind, when I'm creating a destination highlight on Puerto Vallarta, I'm not going to send it to the person who says they don't really want to ever go back to Mexico because they don't like it and they want to go to Europe. So that's like a really awesome opportunity to be like, tell me more about you. Tell me what kind of information you want from me. Again, take it back to being a person. Don't be so robotic with stuff. And I think as advisors, we get spammed with so much bad email marketing from suppliers nonstop. It's like, don't take that approach. Take a very personalized approach. So share a helpful link, a recent blog. You can even link to like, uh, maybe you posted this one Instagram post one time and it did really well because it was the ultimate destination wedding checklist or like five things to consider before you book your honeymoon or something like that. And it's a, it's a really banging piece of content. It's like living and breathing on that Instagram feed and doing really well to this day. A lot of people saved it, link stuff like that. So it's the goal is to get you acclimated, like get them acclimated to you in a way where when again, they see your name on the inbox, they see your little logo pop up inside of that email, they want to open it because they know they're going to get good content and not a hard, weird sell that's uncomfy. A couple days later, you're going to share a section of your bio where you can find and where they can find you online. I love that giving them more of a glimpse into you. Maybe you have a team. This is a really great place to talk about your team. If they have different specialties, if you have a team behind the scenes, so like they can kind of get a glimpse and like, yes, I book your trips. I deal with all the logistics, but I have a dedicated virtual assistant. Her name is Abby. She's so good. She's the one who's going to get all of like their travel documents ready. And again, get them familiar with your business. Give them a peek behind the curtain. Sometimes people really like a behind the scenes look. And then maybe just talk through the content, like what you share where, whether it's a weekly newsletter with a travel tip or a monthly destination highlight. Uh, Maybe you really like to spill the tea on like blogs. Talk about that. Talk about where they can find. And that from then, if they're opening these things up, great. They know you. Now let's talk about your services. Now let's talk about stuff to get them back into the... But I'm also a service provider because we're giving, we're giving, we're giving you can ask too. Like you can get something back. Don't think you just have to give without receiving, but you have to give them enough on the front end for them to be like, okay. And just know like you're welcome and nurture sequence. That's like a living, breathing thing. So you, again, we talk about data all the time, data-driven businesses. You should be looking at your open rates. You should be tweaking your copy and your headlines or whatever inside of this nurture sequence. So even if you do you know, create a nurture sequence, you don't just let it like live and die and never look at it again. That's something you want to just look at on a monthly basis. Make sure that like, yeah, this one, the fourth email just isn't getting the most like enough open rates. Maybe you try a different email altogether. Maybe you just tweak something as much as a headline. You guys have no idea how much headlines impact what we read. And you can see it for yourself. Like look at the things that you click on. Katie, one of our advisors who worked with us sent out a thing where it was like, teak draft email in the headline. She forgot to change it to her own headline. And it was like the most opened newsletter she'd ever had because it was like almost like a trick, which is so funny to me. But like, that's the kind of stuff whenever somebody's like, oh gosh, I didn't mean to send you that email, dot, dot, dot. And it was like, wait, what email? Did I miss it? I want to go find it. Like, it's it's funny how- It's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Don't do that. Like double check your headlines are good. But like, that's like a fun way- just think about the things that actually get you to like sit back and be like, whoo. Cause one of it was Black Friday. It was like my inbox was popping off and I was like deleting everything because I was like, I'm not purchasing anything this Black Friday because budget. And one of them was like the only Black Friday email that ever matters. And I like opened it because I was like, huh, you piqued my interest. Well, and the hardest part is getting people to open it. But I also wanted to add to the nurture sequence information. That nurture sequences, I because some people might be hearing this and being like, oh my gosh, every time someone subscribes, I have to send out five to six emails. But in Flowdesk and most platforms, they're all automated. You set it and forget it. And that is something that we set up in the Flowdesk service if people choose to work with us. And it's just like, it's done. So every time a subscriber comes on to your platform, you don't have to like reach out and make sure that like it's happening. It's just happening. And that's why I love Flowdesk because it can be as simple as you want it to be, or it can be pretty complex depending on how you set it up. And a lot of that content that you mentioned, pull it from your website. You've already created a website. You've written the copy or paid someone to write the copy. 
Like, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't be like, I got to write a bio. It's there. It's on your about page. And you can tweak your nurture sequence. Not everybody has to go down in two days, they get this email and five days, they get this email and four days, they get this email. No, like we can add like segments like Jen talked about where it's like, did this person open this email yet? Less yes or no. And if they did, okay, great. Let's drop them down the funnel. Let's move them along. If they didn't pause, they're probably catching up on emails. Let's wait an additional five days or three days and then try sending them something. And then let's, we can just, you know, funnel them accordingly. All right. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today and sharing your email marketing knowledge and passion. This was definitely one of our longer and beefier episodes, for sure. If you're interested in amping up your email marketing game, head over to our website to review our Flowdesk list launch service that just started in 2023. Katie will be the person helping you implement this fantastic strategy. And we can help you custom develop a welcome and nurture sequence of your own. And if you're interested in outsourcing your monthly newsletter, Katie is the ultimate guru in creating beautiful newsletters and your branding. After you complete the simple questionnaire, we'll edit your monthly template to match your niche. A custom newsletter simply could not be easier. All you have to do is schedule and send. If you're interested in learning more about either service, please email us at hello at teakhq.com. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.